Welcome to I See What You Mean, a podcast about how people get on the same page or don't, or perhaps shouldn't. Today my guest is Greg Giddens. Greg is a federal government consulting colleague and a partner at Potomac Ridge Consulting. Greg's had a long career of federal government service. Greg, welcome to the show. Thanks, Lou. It's great to be here. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Why don't you give us a short bio about yourself so listeners know who you are? Sure. Uh, and Lou, again, it, it really is great to uh, to be with you and chat about this topic this morning. Uh, I had about 36 years in federal service across four different cabinet agencies, Department of Defense, uh, Transportation, Homeland Security, and I spent the last seven or so years at the Department of Veterans Affairs. And I started off uh, as an electrical engineer. Actually, I started off as a co-op, as a student trainee. Hmm. Uh, wow. And then uh, became an electrical engineer and I've moved into acquisition and program management and then into change management, organizational management, procurement. Because a large part, when you look at really major acquisition programs, there's as much about change management as there is about technology or anything else. Very true. And so moving through those uh, four different agencies uh, and got a lot of great experience, worked with some great leaders. And that's one of the things that that I still remain impressed with is is the leadership and, and really the federal workforce. Uh, it sometimes gets a bad rap because you'll hear, you know, somebody's done something wrong, but it's the law of large numbers, right? The law of big numbers, get a big group together, somebody's <laughs> going to do something sure. that's not appropriate. Uh, and you'll hear about that, and that'll make the news, but the, the 90 plus percent, 98, 99% that are working hard trying to do the right thing, you know, that doesn't make the news. But it's just a, such a great opportunity. And I just applaud those that are still in federal service supporting the mission. I agree with what you're saying, Greg. I had a short government service while I was in graduate school, about about um, eight years at EPA. And when I left, I was fortunate to consult. I went on my own. I was fortunate to consult back to EPA and other agencies. But people asked me if I missed working at EPA. And my answer was always the same. I didn't always miss the bureaucracy that we had to deal with. <laughs> but I missed the people. Yeah. And miss. But it is, I, I do miss the camaraderie of, you know, really working hard on, on a noble mission and, and doing the business of government. I agree. And with your background, both in subject matters that you worked in, trained as, as an engineer, program management, acquisition, change management, and then the four different departments, you had a, you had a wide range of experience. I, I did. I was very, I was very fortunate to get some opportunities to work in some, some different environments. Uh, on yeah. some different mission sets, all noble, uh, but also see a lot of the similarities uh, across the agencies and really across how do you get things done mm-hmm. in the government and in the bureaucracy. And you, you mentioned, you know, you didn't miss the bureaucracy. You know, that's the plus and a minus. <laughs> it uh, is. To some degree, it's child's play in a bureaucracy to stop something from happening, right? It's easier True. for nothing to happen. It's, True. Uh, but you got to be thoughtful and uh, got to work at it uh, to make things happen in a bureaucracy. Oh, that's an excellent point. I want to come back to that. I want to say one thing just on this point we're talking about. I was lucky at EPA for about a year or so I was in the pesticide program. And then after that, I was fortunate to get a position in the administrator's office. And I was lucky enough to work with a division that worked with state and local governments. And that enabled me to so I worked with Conference of Mayors, League of Cities, right, National Conference State Legislatures, and I was able to go anywhere across the agency, anywhere in the program offices, from, from the assistant administrators down to a branch that was working on a drinking water regulation, or out to a region, talking to the regional administrators or deputy regional administrators, or anywhere out there 
to get information about a site issue or a policy issue to bring it back to the administrator's office for working with these government associations. Greg, I, I had I knew more about that organization than people who spent a career in it because I was fortunate. My job made me enabled me. I, I was when I needed to. Right. I had I could go anywhere and talk to anybody. That was a real privilege. Right. Yeah, it really is to be able to get that uh, insight across the enterprise on how it does business. Because a lot of times, you know, if you'll stay in one uh, particular right. function or area. It's easy to kind of sew the straw and look down at that and just really become the expert on that and not understand the larger organization. So, yeah, that was a, I'm sure that was a great opportunity. It was. I loved it. And like you said, I really got, and I was in graduate school at the time. My master's degree was in conflict resolution. So I was able to see the org, <laughs> right. I was able to see the organization operate in different places, in different ways, on different issues. And I was able to think about my studies and, and, and what I was observing. It was a great laboratory. And it was uh, I was honored to be able to contribute in the small ways that a environmental specialist contributes. But right. it was a lot of fun, too, as you know, with elected officials like the mayors or city council members, working with the professional associations like the drinking water and wastewater officials or the solid waste officials. We know there's complexity in issues. You come to appreciate the complexity of issues and the perspectives people have on something. But what's nice is you also see common ground. You see possibilities. You see right. where differences aren't so what they appear or whether they or they can be narrowed, right? It was a real privileged right. position to be in to see all of the perspectives on one thing. Yes, and, and to see those people and, and being part of that process for them to come together, recognize yeah. what they have in common, and how can they start to get on the same page, yeah. right? And, you know, regardless of politics, and politics is part of our lives, those were also folks who were part of that mission. They were trying to protect right. the environment. You could protect the environment for lots of reasons, for moral, ethical reasons, philosophical. You could say, hey, you know what, Ship uh, recreational... Recreational use of the Great Lakes is a multi-billion-dollar industry. Yeah, don't yeah. Recreational boating is huge. Don't yeah. trash the water. You know, don't destroy right. the resource and don't destroy the economic benefit we get from it. So everybody had their own motivations, but it was nice to work with them, as you said, because their the mission was let's just protect the environment. Well. Let's talk about something that's related to that then, Greg. Let's tie it to what we talked about as we prepped. You were you talked about performance management as a framework for getting people on the same page. And what you and I are just talking about that we were fortunate enough to do in our year-long, my short federal career, has to do with achieving a mission, right? And that's performance. So tell us, I know you didn't mean, you don't mean, people hear performance management and they think HR, they think supervision, they mm. think goals, objectives, and the semi-annual evaluation. And I know you don't mean that. Talk about what performance, man performance management is in the framework as you used it and how you used it to get people on the same page. Sure. And, and Lou, you're right. When I think about performance management, although I, I could see how some people would, would go to the HR aspect, I really think about acquisition and program management and performance management linked to that. You know, if, if you think about what our federal government does, uh, and I think it's probably true at the state level, but my experience is at the federal level. If you think about what our federal government does, either for its citizens, to its citizens, mm -hmm. on behalf of its citizens, mm -hmm. 
I think anything that does of significance is enabled by private industry. So it becomes important then for you, uh, as you go through this process at the federal level, go through the procurement, uh, acquisition, program management, to really, in the end, understand what performance management means and what performance you're trying to get. And I've seen many times a program get started and they can't get on the same page between the federal office and the private industry partner because they really don't have alignment about what performance means and what's really the objectives and the goals that they're trying to solve. Could, could, I, pause I, think, you, could I pause you there for yeah, a second? And sure. just clar- clarify something. You've made an interesting connection, which I know is, I know what you mean. It's a valid connection, but just elaborate on it a minute, and then we'll go back to what you were saying. You made the connection between government and the private sector. Give a couple examples of that so listeners go, okay, I see what he's talking about. Uh, sure. If you think about even world events and what we're doing to supply and help support Ukraine, mm-hmm. Uh, those uh, items that are being sent over, those weren't made by the federal government. Those were made by private industry uh, on behalf of the federal government. If you think about, you know, I spent uh, my last seven years at the VA, if you think about VHA and all the medical centers and clinics it has, well, in those, there's a hundred thousands of different items. There's blood pressure cuffs. Well, those Mm -hmm. blood pressure cuffs Mm -hmm. come from industry and they're being used, right? I mean, so it's, it's enabling throughout that whole gotcha. process as the federal government delivers services. It makes a lot of sense. So the federal government has programs it establishes with intended beneficiaries, typically a citizen. It could be other en- en- entities, but let's just say a citizen. And often through acquisition acquires those goods and services from the private sector to create the benefit that that, that, that is delivered right. to citizens, right? Okay. So a- Absolutely. It's creating that, it's enabling that delivery, it's making it more effective, it's making it more efficient, it's improving the experience of citizens as they engage uh, with their government. So talk about this, let's pick, I'm going to go back to where you were when I interrupted you. Thank you for the explanation. The, The relationship between government and a private sector entity in that system you've described is contractual. That's what the acquisition of procurement is. So there's, there's terms and conditions of a contract and right. Government writes a contract. You know, I was on the I was on the I was on the industry side of that equation for a lot of years while you were still in government. So I was the one who was proposing to the government. Right. We'd win an award. What we wrote in the proposal were sort of terms and conditions of the contract. We had to meet those. Right. Tell me how performance management comes into that. So the the way performance management comes in is it starts to take that contract and make it more of a partnership. Okay. Because, uh, Lou, I mean, I, I'm blessed. I'm, I'm married to a wonderful woman. She's been patient, supportive, and, and just a great partner for me. And you talked about the contract as a document. Well, you know, we have a marriage document, something that we filed that's a legal document. Right. But I'll tell you this afternoon, I won't go to her and say, how do you think our contractual relationship right. is going? Right. That's not really the focus of, right. of how we relate to each other. Right. 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 It's about a partnership. It's about a relationship. And through the process of the federal uh, procurement mm-hmm. activity, you, you do have a, a legal, a contract document that sets some terms and conditions. But once that gets awarded, uh, that's really got to turn into a relationship and a partnership uh, because now you're teamed together to help get a mission done. Mm-hmm. And one of the first things about performance management and that should be happening right away is at the kickoff meeting, go back to the touch points of what is the objective? What's the problem we're trying to solve? Right. What does success look like? And some of the times I've seen this really be effectively done 
is you get together and you write the end story, right? You fast forward and say, okay, we have a three-year window, a three-year contract, or a five-year. Yep. At the end of this, what do we want to be the press release that we put out? What do we want to see if somebody right. were to come back and say, you know, give kind of the eulogy or give kind of here's here's what's happened? What do we want that to say? How do we really know what success looks like? And then we work for that. Mm-hmm. And in many times in the fellow environment, that becomes important because that may shift a little bit throughout the life mm-hmm. of the program. Mm-hmm. Right? You have different political activities come in, leadership changes, budgets change, artists change, and right, right? just change happens. So <laughs> you need to make sure you can go back to that. And the first thing, really, uh, that initial step in performance management, really, that kickoff meeting. What does success look like? What What do we want to make sure that we get accomplished, and then understand what's got to happen to enable that? But because in the end, you want the government leaders and the private industry partner leaders both waking up at four o'clock in the morning worrying about the same things. You know, you really want them on the same page. That's right. Uh, exactly. You made a number of good points there, which I was jotting down. What does success look like, especially in the IT area? Purchases can be complex. I mean, you're buying yeah. hardware or software, but you're trying to solve things with it that are that are challenging. Right. It might not be easy to articulate. It's probably the government knows what success ought to look like, and they could and they and they could articulate that. But sometimes, if, when they talk to the private sector, and you've seen this happen, because the private sector has delivered similar products or services before and in a lot of places. Right. They might have some other things that they could describe as success, other results, other outcomes. Maybe government officials are aware of, maybe not. Maybe it's clear, maybe a little hazy. Sometimes, ironically, it might be in that kickoff. I say ironic because it's post-award. It might be in that kickoff meeting. If it's held the way you described, where the first really good conversation could happen about what does success look like. No, I, I agree with you. I think that's that's a point where you're past all now the contractual procurement activity, which is necessary to, to do. Yep. Uh, but now you're beyond that. So sit down and roll your sleeves up. And, and I love to do those in a room with a whiteboard and say, okay, mm-hmm. what, what, what really, what's the problem we're trying to solve? What do we want to be different because we're engaged in this activity? Mm-hmm. And have that as two people discussing it, uh, not two kind of opposing forces exactly. trying to one, how cheap can I get this and how much profit exactly. can I make? And I, but, and, and by the way, the, the government gets that industry has to make a profit, right? I mean, it, that's not, uh, that's not a bad thing, uh, right? This morning, I, I'm, uh, in fact, when I, while we're chatting, I'm enjoying a cup of coffee, but that cup of coffee, right, I had to buy that coffee and had to, so people, I mean, the federal government, they get that industry has to make money. They want it to be reasonable. They want it to be right. fair. Uh, they want to get the mission, they want to get the mission done. And that, that post-award a lot of times really the first time you can have that meaningful discussion about the program and the requirements and what it means to the organization, what it means to the citizen, what it means to the mission of that organization. That might sound and really an uncumbered environment. True. That might sound odd to, it won't sound odd to people who understand government contracting. If you've been in the government or in a contract, in a, in a contracting, in a consulting company, it might sound odd to listeners who have no experience with, government contracting to think, wait, upon award is the first time you're really having this conversation. Other conversations can happen pre-award. The government's obligated to have those conversations 
you know, in, there's some constraints on how the government can have those conversations. It could have them in a very open forum where you have right. any interested party at a meeting and we could have these conversations. And some of the better, right. some of the better pre-solicitation, pre-solicitation work does that, where a government can say, here's a draft statement of work or here's our objectives. Talk to us, industry, about what you know about this. Sometimes out of that can emerge some new ideas or some clarity that finds its way into a statement of work with more, maybe more clear objectives or more clear measures of success. Not all procurements go through a process where there's that kind of pre-solicitation conversation. Right. Some do, some don't. But I'm a huge fan of those. I think industry engagement can really improve the probability of its success, whether that's having a kind of a more larger industry day where the government's talking right. to a lot of industry at one at a time, right. have some select one-on-one discussions, right. send out draft statements of objectives, exactly. statements of work, get feedback from industry. You know, what have you seen industry yeah. as a leading practice yeah. in this area? What are the, the levers of performance and cost, you know, in this industry? And I think those can be very important to help shape and define and hone the requirements so that you increase the ability to have through a document a shared understanding. But I, I still believe even if you're doing really great at that shared document of understanding, yeah. Yeah. there's nothing like being in the same room together. There's nothing like saying, it. And okay, another thing that happens... This, what does this really mean? Another thing that happens is procurements can take some time and certain conditions could change over that time. I might right. have proposed something and 18 months later be at the kickoff or 12 months right. later. That's not right. unheard of, especially it's, it's for a large... It's not unreasonable. No. Yeah, for a large program of any complexity, you know, from the time somebody really has a gleam in their eye of here's a problem that we got to solve or here's a need we have to go meet, it's not at all unusual that maybe 12, 15, 18, 20 months later before that contract is signed, that's a long time. It is. Right? And, it is. And the environment hasn't... Uh, gone stagnant. Those right, 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 environmental right, factors right, have changed, right. uh, priorities, but I mean, there's been a lot of change going on. So you really need to kind of go back and touch base and say, okay, wh- where are we now? And what's really, you know, some of the things that were most important now may not be as important. Right. And the, pro- and the, and the, the best time to do that is at the beginning. That's the kickoff of the, of the contracted right. work, which is the meeting you're talking about. But to be fair to government, I know a lot of industry conversations just with inside a company where they launched an effort, an activity, a task, a project, and objectives or outcomes weren't as clear as they should have been. This is kind of a human yes. human nature thing. So it's not a fault right. of, or a flaw of government. It's very much human nature or very much organizations in general. Right. We yeah, often... I think it's an organizational malaise. Uh, and it happens, I, I think, large organizations, whether they're public or private. Uh, will tend to start to move out and even, not be as clear about their objectives. I have very common, even in um, I, I, Mark, Mark, you know, Mark Foreman. Yes. Mark Foreman yeah. and I had a conversation last week and the episode will be, will publish soon about OKRs, um, objectives and key <clears throat> results. And right. he's picking that up from, from venture capital investors who are changing the way they're asking for measures right. to invest and he was, and there was a time when a lot of inve- even even in the private sector, even when you're investing to make money, maybe um, investments were made a little bit more on aspirations than yes. real clear outcomes. And so the push is no, no, no. Let's get clear on the outcomes 
Because if we're at point A and the outcome's at point B, we need to think about the path. And I like the word you used, the levers. What do we what do we pull? What are the mechanisms that are going to get us from here to there? That's not always clear in, in, in any in, in endeavors, whether they're public sector or private sector. I think it's very important for the contract between the government and, a, and an industry partner to be looked at as a means to an end. Right. Yes, it's a contract. Yes, we have to abide by it or change it if, if we, you know, right. it needs to be changed if officially, properly. But we can't forget it's a means to an end. It is the means to the end of solving a problem that government has. Yes, right. That's where it, the different. That's where the conversation should change. So pick it up it, there. It, it, exactly. That's that's perspective that everybody needs to have. You know, and I've I've talked to some, and I've, I've worked the technical side, the program management side, the procurement side, and, and it's odd how in doing that you hear how the other organization the other organization you've been involved in is talked about right Mm -hmm. but they don't get it they don't understand where they you know and all they care about is then it's like oh i just wish we could just kind of kind of move people uh for a month or two and let them Mm -hmm. walk a mile yeah 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 yeah. because i take procurement people they want the mission to be successful uh, just as much yes, as program do. people. Yes, they do. And program people don't want to do anything that's breaking the law and the regulations of the land. They don't, right? Everybody's... Uh, and play by the rules. Right. You want to play by the rules. There's, But we sometimes can't quite come together to really understand that. And I think part of it is really the clarity about what is the ends we're trying to achieve. And if you're not clear about that, then you tend to focus more on the means than you do on the end. True, and, and I think a, a great way to, to help keep that in perspective is really being clear about what success looks like and, and what really we're trying to do. I, I remember early in my, my career, I was uh, working at Warner Robins at the Air Force Base mm-hmm. in an engineering role, and, and we were having a, a heck of a time getting some waveguide and uh, so what a technical waveguide. That's mm-hmm. a it's a radar term. It's it's what propagates the waves uh, through on a radar system. Okay. Uh, and so there were a lot of microwave and waveguide parts and, uh, our procurement person just was not really leaning in with us. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I got her and her team to come down to where all the systems were and could see how we were testing. Oh, wow. And, and I'm, I'm telling you, and I, I wish I'd have done it sooner. Her eyes got big as saucers and she's like, when I was seeing all this stuff about microwaves, I'm thinking like microwaves I have in my kitchen. I couldn't figure out why this was so important and what was, she said, I get it's amazing. it. Right. Wow. And man, she, she went and, and she understood right the ends that we were trying to do and what the mission was and how, what she was doing impacted that. And, and I've always tried and not always been successful, but always tried to help make sure that all the supporting functions could see themselves in the role that they have in completing and delivering the mission. We, we didn't have any trouble with those parts. I'm telling you, you know, after that visit, <laughs> she was like, she was, she was on it. I, I yeah. call the, the podcast. I see what you mean, because it's about that aha moment when you go, Oh, I see what, and that epiphany, there's an, there's a perspective shift that comes with it where like you described, it seemed to me in that moment she understood the problem the way you saw it, right? And she probably thought to herself, "Well, I can fix this, or I can I can yeah. solve some piece of this. I can now I know what to do to help." And so she kind of yeah. freed up to move yeah. move it, forward. Right. It was almost like the light switch. I mean, it it, really, yeah, yeah. Uh, right. Well, so I want to keep bringing it back to performance. A contractor will give the government some kind of project schedule, right? 
with, right, with activities in it, with resources on it, with dates, and all those tasks are intended to, they're all like little means to an end, right? Every Correct. task within a contract exactly. is intended to accomplish something. And when you roll it up, it should accomplish some technical, or I think, I think business objective. I want to always be right. thinking about what's the business objective government's trying to achieve here and how right. does how do the things that I do or do the things I do get them there? So they give you a, a project plan. All those kinds of conversations, I think, ought to be come with it. Because then you're starting to talk about performance. Like, what do we do to get an outcome? So, so you're, at the, uh, you're at the kickoff meeting. Now you kind of align this. There is still, maybe you can think about it more as the transactional part of performance management. Okay. Where there are tasks, there's activities, there's things that need to get done. Right. You know, and that's really, planning is important. And, and I know your plan doesn't always turn out exactly. Right. In fact, in most cases it won't. But you'll learn a lot by the planning. You'll understand the interdependencies and you understand the priorities and which tasks are really on the critical path and which aren't. Because, Lou, I, I found that if, you, if you're really trying to do anything of significance, uh, anything of difficulty, it's not going to go well all the time. Right. Uh, I remember when I had uh, was managing portfolios of large programs and had program leaders come in and do reviews with me. The times I was most nervous is when I would have a program lead over a, of a large, complex program come in a couple of times in a row and tell me everything was green. <laughs> uh, I, I would really that, that just made me nervous because I just rightfully I, so. My, yeah, my experience has just never been that everything is always green for any length of time. I, I, and, and every now and then you'll get lucky and things will line up and be green in every few. But. So that happened back to back. And so I would usually say, well, hey, let's, we need to do a deep dive. Let's, let's take some time next week and spend like half a day or spend, mm -hmm. because there's something going on, right? It's just things don't always go well. Mm -hmm. uh, and you need to understand what needs to happen so that if things start to get off tracks, you can recognize that early and then take appropriate action early on to then start nudging things to get them back on track. And you may find that some of those tasks that aren't on the critical path maybe you're going to minimize those and you're not going to put as much resource on those and right. move some resources around. Right, right. But you won't even have the insight to do that if you don't start with a plan that supports uh, what you're trying to achieve. And right. then you can make adjustments uh, as you go forward. But it is that, you know, in some organizations call it program control and it's called different things. But right. it's really that the transactional aspect of really now managing, you have an integrated master schedule, you've got an integrated master plan. That's right. Now you got to work this through. And most of the times I've found there's ownership on that schedule and plan for both the federal government and private industry, right? Yeah. Uh, and I've tried to, on, on my side, make sure I'm not too quick if the contractor, uh, my industry partner gets late on something or, or gets behind or something happens, right? If they stumble, our reaction on the federal side needs to be to stop and bend down, send a hand down, help pick them up, dust them off, and let's get back going because mm -hmm. it may be us the next week, right? Mm -hmm. We may be late in doing the review or delivering something or getting, right? Good point. We, let's get back to that sense of partnership and us both managing the performance so that we get to the end state that we all agree this is what success looks like and this is one of how we're going to measure that success as we move forward. So a, a good product or let's say a good, yeah, good output from the kickoff meeting somebody should write down what the what definition of success looked like yes if one of the next things sometimes a contractor could come to the kickoff meeting with a provisional project plan that could be significantly updated at that point then that project plan which let's just say 
captures those transactions, those act, tasks right. and activities, should have in it not just the points in the in time, right? It's temporal, so we know there's milestones. We know where where where, the, where we deliver when we deliver something. Should also have points in it when they can sit down and talk about results or progress right. toward results. And so that project plan could be a great device or tool as a performance management device, a performance yeah. management tool. Absolutely. It, it helps you stay on the same page that you started on. And, and it's really then a degree of transparency. Right. Uh, right. Between uh, the federal government and their industry partner. And it helps you as you move forward to understand where the right points to do an assessment. When do we need to do a, a checkpoint? And it helps you kind of structure how those happen, right? Because you don't want the leader on either side, whether it's the federal side or private industry. Right, right. You don't want the top leadership meeting with the same regularity on the issues and items that you are people on the front line, right? You want the people on the front lines meeting that with a lot of regularity so that they're working the issues. And really, yeah. you want the leadership working the issues that bubble up to them. Right. Right. When right. I started working some in the VA and VHA and, uh, and, and even in our private lives around healthcare, uh, mm-hmm. doctors don't give shots. Right. We remember, I mean, we're even taking our kids in uh, to the pediatrician. You know, it wasn't, well, they don't give shots because somebody else can. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's part of what we have to recognize in performance management that there are several roles that people have and you need to make sure that you have appropriate decision authority delegated down to address those issues. So they don't just start backing up and then all of a sudden there's an avalanche of things that have to be dealt with. Uh, because then that's in uh, nobody's best interest, the government, industry, or the mission. Right? So it's putting right. that right structure, governance, decision-making on really how things move forward. And a lot of times you'll have escalation causes where the government and yeah. industry work together and say, okay, we're going to give the team three days to resolve issues. And if they can't resolve in three days, they need to elevate it or right. five days or what. Right, right. right. But really, but the clarity so that, that everybody really feels like they're working to the same set of ground rules so that they can move forward. So let, let me, something comes to mind there where you're talking. Uh, and another truism about organizations is people try to stay out of trouble. People protect themselves from, from getting in, in trouble because, I don't mean legal, just things like we're right. talking about. Things go wrong with projects. So many things have to go right, and no one person is usually in charge of all the things that have to go right. It makes <laughs> it, <true. laughs> it makes it hard. It makes it hard to take too many uh, risk. Risk seems like too strong a word. It's a risk averse environment because so much can go wrong. You want to be extra careful. I know. I could imagine the the conversations that you and I are having. I can. I've heard. I've been a part of. I've heard people have at a contract level, a task or a contract level. But you spent later parts of your career way up the org chart, where you were whole, right. over whole operations, thousands of people spread across the country, maybe spread across the world. Right. Now, you could espouse the principles and the values then that we're talking about now, and they could hear you. How did you translate that into, how did you help them translate that into action so that they didn't, they weren't just so cautious that they, Heard what you said, but they were, uh, they didn't really enact it because it seemed risky. Right. So one thing uh, that I would do is share stories about mm-hmm. times when I was working programs and things, you know, didn't go well and how my leadership uh, responded. Most of the times positively, but not always. So, you know, sharing with them some stories that, hey, I get it. Things aren't going to always go well. And you're 
tendency may be to beat your head against the wall to try to solve it. But at some point, you know, let me help with things I can help with and, and, and really start to take things off the table about it. If you make a reasonable decision that goes yeah. the wrong way, yeah. I, I'm not, I, I am not going to come down on you. Yeah. you right. Right. But, I'm, but I'll stand in front of you and I'll catch the spears that anybody wants to throw at you. Right. And, and we just get clear that, hey, if you do anything legal, malicious, that all that right, that's right. a whole a whole different story. Right. right? I, and I'll be at the front of the line to, to come after you. But if it's if it's you're making a reasoned decision and it turns out wrong, we can fix that. Yeah, but, exactly. And, and in fact, there's not many decisions uh, that's made <laughs> that's not. Uh, that, you, that you can't go back and retweet. And, and I would tell them, in fact, probably the worst decision you can make is no decision. Yeah. Right. Yep. Because then you really don't have any additional information. If you make a wrong decision and you realize, okay, for these reasons, that was a wrong decision. You now have more knowledge on how to make uh, that next decision. So in taking some cases and, and this becomes a little uncomfortable for people yeah. when things go, go wrong and they wind up, you know, working through it and it comes out, turning that into a success story. Uh, right. So that people can see, OK, they're really serious about this, but they're really they're really looking and trying to understand this is a complex uh, activity and there are going to be some bumps along the road. But we got to keep our eye on the prize uh, and make sure we keep the mission in mind. Those stories are important because they're personal stories of the bosses. And if and if boss is telling right. those stories, it gives people some reason to believe that you'd put your money where your mouth is. That's some that's some psychological that's some safety. That's some comfort. Right. Okay, because I really would like to, sometimes it's real simple, Greg. I really would like to have a different conversation with the contractor, but I, my boss has told me, that my, my immediate supervisor has told me to be careful. Right. Again, nothing illegal, immoral, nothing against the, nothing outside the FAR, just there's that great right. caution. I'd like to have a different conversation. I hear the, C, the chief acquisition officer saying it's okay to do that. It helps with people take some right. some small steps. I think a lot of what we're talking about is changing the conversation that we have with each other. Yes. P PM government PMs from the program office can have a better conversation with the procurement folks and vice versa. Right. They together can have a better conversation with the contractor. Correct. Like you said, the private sector side there to deliver a product or service as a means to the end of solving some problem. Right. There's nothing. No one's going to tell you that you can't if you want to keep it to just strictly to the terms and conditions of the, of the statement right. of work. Yeah. But you can miss things if, you, if you're if you that tight and narrow it down, that right. ratchet it down that hard. If you uh, lo lo loosen up a little bit and say, look, we're trying to solve a problem for a medical center, a doctor, a nurse, a pharmacy, or a border guard. Right. We're trying to solve a problem for somebody. Right. Because if we clear that, if we solve that problem for them, they're the ones delivering a government benefit to right. to a citizen or to. So let's talk about how that's. I mean, I think what you're saying, performance management, is let's talk about how that's going. Right. You always want to go back to that test tone. <clears throat> Almost think about it as having a mission moment. Right. <clears throat> right. How do you, how do you help make sure that on all parties? And, and I found since I've uh, left the federal government and doing some consulting with companies. You know, the federal government's not the only one that doesn't communicate that well internally either. <laughs> uh, I've, I've seen private industry uh, suffer some of those same uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, perils, perils as well. Yes, sir. Right? But, it, but if you can keep everybody kind of reminding back, as you said, we're, we're doing this so that uh, a VHA clinician can better provide care for a veteran. 
or uh, that somebody working in claims and VBA right. can, can more quickly go through the claim so the veteran can get what's deserved for them from a beneficial beneficiary perspective. Right. Right. Or it's supporting uh, this law enforcement person that has to go out on our behalf to keep our safe, our streets safe. Right. Kind of keep it, you know, not, as you said, uh, great, the contract is not an end. It's a means to an end. So how do we really kind of keep focused on that end and that really tie everything we do to making sure we accomplish that? And I'm not saying you throw out the contract that it doesn't apply. No, 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 no. It's a legal document and it's kind of, but there is still, and depending on how you want to read the FAR, you've got a lot of flexibility or you have no flexibility. Right? The mm. people that are really successful read the FAR and say, the FAR talks about what's in the best interest of the government and the things it's trying to get done. Mm-hmm. So if you take the contract, you need to make adjustments. There are certain ways that you can make adjustments to that. But always keep that in mind as being a relative mean to an end, mm-hmm. not an end. Mm-hmm. The, uh, I, tell me your experiences in from the contracting side, especially as a senior acquisition official, of the government's ability to or desire to be clear on business objectives. The truth of the matter is there's a st- there's a solicitation and in it there's a section C, right? And it spells out the the technical requirements. And there's so much focus on that. And I'm not saying that shouldn't be, but there's so much focus on that. And then the evaluation criteria that I would write to, right? when they were good, they were telling me how my proposal would be evaluated against how well I would accomplish the technical requirements and sometimes the management requirement. They often stopped short, Greg, of language that felt or sounded like, and therefore we're going to accomplish these business objectives. One time I read a solicitation, one time, that was crystal clear on business objectives. And it was so, it was a a thing of beauty, right? (laughs) It really was. In section C and subsections of it, but every, every time it had a group of requirements that was a subsection in section C, it opened up that section and by saying, here's what we're trying to accomplish. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. Because I was able to write a proposal that said, and I got, and then I got with my technical guys. Right. Said, we're not just going to give them back the three steps to this or the four parts of that. That's bullshit. We're going to tell them how we'll do those things to accomplish that business objective they said they had. And then, right. Greg, as we rolled those up to the whole Section C, it sort of cascaded. It, it rolled up to accomplishing the broader business objective of the of, right. the, of the statement of work. That was a rare uh, instance. It, it, it is rare, and it's special when it happens, right? When yeah. the government can really clarify what the objectives are and, and not just give kind of a statement of work to say, contractor, I want to hire you to do this work that I've already figured out is what all I need to be done so that I can meet my objective, right? That, that's not, usually the government doesn't have that right in the statement of work. And there's times that the vendor will go through and do everything exactly according to the statement of work, but the government doesn't actually get the mission success that they're after. It's, uh, I, I think it's part of the government's efforts to do good requirements definition mm-hmm. and that that's, mm-hmm. that sometimes uh, gets pressed and gets hurried. Uh, and it's one of the sure, things where I think that sometimes people never have the time to do it right, but they'll have time to do it over. And, and I think that that early time thinking about requirements and thinking about requirements, not solutions, 
think about requirements and what they're really trying to accomplish and the objectives and being able to lay that out pays dividends. It does. Right. Just like you said, industry can take that and go, all right, I, I know what they're trying to achieve. And they said, do it with uh, big desktops. Uh, laptops may be a better way to, right? <laughs> right. And that gives the industry to get those innovative right. ideas right. Uh, that can really support the mission. Okay, so we've talked. So we talked about performance management as a framework for my. The way I'm thinking of it, Greg, is we're sort of lining up means and ends of different kinds, technical activities right. to accomplish requirements. But we keep we keep in mind that's like I always think of the near sight. If you if you fire a rifle, you can look just at the near sight. I wouldn't recommend right. it, but you could look at you could look at the far sight on the end of the barrel. You ought to be looking right. at the target. So what we're talking about performance right. management being is the way we line up means and ends to accomplish right. an objective. And it's important to keep in mind we are trying to accomplish public policy objectives, not just a technical requirement. Right. That's a means to the end of something larger. Are we getting yes. somebody in the country, a federal official, a state or local government official, tribal, right. what they need to do the job that they are trying to do because they actually, where the rubber meets the road and they're delivering the benefit to somebody. And so performance management is a framework for having, really, Greg, I keep thinking in my mind, it's a framework for having those conversations. Yes, it, it is. It's a framework and hopefully it can become a common framework, right? So that you're bringing all the sides together uh, to have that discussion and have that perspective and then have a way forward so that you can go and actually accomplish that and manage it through the effort. So, so you're right. It's, it's really kind of laying that out, looking through both sides as you keep your eye on the target, uh, both the near and the far, but focusing yeah. on the target. So we had, we talked about ways that statements of work could be written that facilitate business conversations. We talked about the kickoff meeting. We talked about a project plan. We implied there would be checkpoints in the conversation between the parties about progress. We, things are always in progress, so we got to know how they're going. But we also want to be asking ourselves, are we getting closer to the target? We could be yes. doing a lot of activity and be, you know, wandering off in a different direction. Are we getting closer to the right. target? And if not, or then we got to slow down a minute and get together and say, let's talk about this before we keep. All right. So there's those checkpoints. Right. Would you have done them as a PM on some regular basis or as a contracting officer? What would be, what's your view of how those checkpoints would be, would be done? I, I really looked at doing that quarterly uh, on most cases. Uh, I did have some projects that were, in, in my mind, and I was clearly told that they were critical and that had a short run round. You know, so if you got something that you got to get done in 12 months, you, you can't look at it every three Four months. Four times, right, you right, right. You, right. You, do, you got to do something monthly. more than that. Yeah, right. Uh, right. So you got to really kind of dig into it monthly. So part of it depends on how long you have right. uh, to get to the end state. Right. But you don't want to do it so often that you don't see any opportunity to influence or see change happen. Right. Then, then people will just start to yawn whenever they think about it. They right. know it's not an effective use of the time. So it is kind of that finding that right balance. And I found some of the some of the companies that can be most successful that use that touch point and even link it in to the C part, right? Because at the end of this yeah, process, there'll be that. a there'll, there'll be a you know government official that at the end of this is going to rate the company based with the contract performance uh, reporting system, and that's going to be a scorecard for that company on how they've done, and that could be 
typically used in future source selection decisions. You know, right. How did this company do? What was there? And so I, I've seen companies use that as a way to, through the process, kind of do their own self-assessment and say, here's where I think I am on meeting your objectives. Here's where I think I am on meeting the items on the way to that and kind of drive that framework uh, of discussion to make sure that they're managing performance throughout using CPARS. And CPARS doesn't just become kind of an end-of-class test uh, that you mm. fail or not. But if you fail, you don't have any chance to recover, right? It's like in mm. one of our daughters is a school teacher, uh, third-grade teacher. They don't wait to the end of third grade and then test the students to see if you're ready to go to the fourth grade. Uh, that's not – that wouldn't be very productive. Smart, they, right. right. They do assessments throughout to understand where they are. And I, I think the companies that really are successful in delivering do their assessments throughout internally and then start to share that with the government and a framework that the government can receive and understand about where things are. And if the industry has a different view of something, that gives right. the government an opportunity to say, wow, you, you're, you're thinking this is on track. We're hearing there's issues bubbling up from this. We need to get together. And right again, it's another then way to say, ah, I see what you mean. Here's, right. you know, you had this view, right. I had this one. Let's come together and kind of reconcile that. I think that's a brilliant idea. Some of these things look risky at first, but when you think about them, you go, no, that's smart. Because if they do that, if they do a self-assessment and share it with the government, what's going right. well, what's not? Because it's always going to be what's going well, what's not? What's the plan for fixing some things? It's spot on. Yep, that's it. Not complicated. No, and it's not really risky because what you're trying to do is we're changing the conversation. Exactly. You're changing the conversation. And, and you will find some places you may differ. But that's right. But you want to know about that during the period yes. of performance, not yes. wait to the end. Yes. If you share some information and happen to see things similarly, you're just fortunate. I think knowing that you see things differently is really where the value is in the conversation. Yes. Right. That's where you'll pull some information out and you can really work together and, and really build that relationship yes. of trust and respect. That's a good point. Right. That's a good point. It, it is not just about project management type activities meeting a technical requirement. It's a relationship right. of trust and respect. And, and I think the vast majority of companies that engage in supporting and working with the federal government, and I, just, I think it's close to 100%, but not every, mm -hmm. most things aren't 100%, but the vast, vast majority, they have an appreciation for the mission. And yes. they've, they've yes. worked to understand the mission yes. and they want the organization yes. to be successful. Yes. Right? There, it's it, again. They do. They've got shareholders at the public, or they got employees. All that. I mean, sure. They, you know, but sure. Got, but they still they they got an interest in in the mission, so they want it to be successful, and they like to know that if they're if, you know if they're thinking things are going great and they're not, well, they want to know that so they can start to rectify that. Here's I a, think there's more risk in not having yeah, there discussion is. than there is in having that. So. By far, because you're not going to get away from it, and like you said, what's going to happen is you're not going to have the discussion until the end and then it won't matter. Right. So it's I always like think it. it's, 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 I always think of it this way. Any two people, let alone a larger team, sees certain things in a situation. We just see, we see different things in a situation, especially if you've got, if you're, if you're the engineer on a project or you're responsible for the budget or some research, you, you're, you have a different job or role. You see different things in the situation. We would size them up differently. It's just, right. we should. We should size them up the way something makes right. sense to us. We would think of what we we would have a, we have a preference for what we ought to do as a means to some end. 
each individual on a team could go through a thought process like that. Well, there would be around the team, there'd be some commonalities and there'd be some differences. If you literally have that conversation, so you can surface all that, first of all, people could go to realize, wow, we're on the same page about quite a lot. That's just good to know because sometimes we don't, we see past that. We've got our heads down. We're busy. Like you said, sometimes we're focused on the problems. We forget some of the good things. Second, second thing is when you, when you give yourself an opportunity to say, geez, Greg, I, I didn't see it that way. Tell me more about what you're seeing in that situation. Or you say to me, tell me more about what I'm seeing in that situation. To me, we are trying to build the same page. We're on our different pages where we have to work from. Right. We're trying to create a same page to get on by some shared knowledge and shared understanding of what it means. Exactly. When teams do that, project team on the government side, project team on the contractor side, the two together, I think they're setting themselves up for greater success because they're on the same page with what they're seeing, what they think it means, what they'll do about it, right? Yes. Because there's going to be some plan of action. And then what the objective or the outcome of that is. And then, Greg, if we sit down and check with each other in two weeks, four weeks, how did it go? We're continuing the conversation that keeps feeding new, like you said before, feeding new information back into the conversation. Right. Exactly. And and that becomes incredibly powerful, right? And, And that's the virtuous cycle that really successful programs get into. It also gives the industry, you, you mentioned, Lou, about, you know, we tend to focus on the problems, not the good things. Having these discussions and industry doing you know, a self-assessment, and, and it's got to be an honest look, right? If you're industry and you got an issue here, point that out, right? Because because if you don't, the government knows about it, and then they're going to wonder, so do you know you've got an issue and you're just <laughs> right. not going to tell me? Right. Or do you really don't yeah. know what's right. going on which, right? which is Either worse one of those is bad <laughs> yeah which is worse i'm not sure but they're both they're both bad you're right but it also gives the industry an opportunity to to say hey over the last six months we met all our deliveries and you may remember our delivery to the east coast we did that in spite of the hurricane that came through and we did that by doing x y and z because many times that's lost on the government right They'll see that you delivered and it won't really connect in them. Sure. You had impacts and mitigations and things you had sure. to do over and above, sure. which becomes really important and for industry to, to have the government recognize what they're doing over and above to deliver sure. more than just kind of the pure stuff that's on the contract. So it really allows you to open up and have the discussion, not about just about some of the issues and get on the same page with those, but get on the same page on some of the successes and things that industry is really doing behind the scenes that the government may not know about truly impact and improve their performance. Good point. Yeah, that's a good point. I have a definition of getting on the same page that I use. It's a very, I try to make it a very working definition and it's just simply agreeing enough to take the next step together. Uh-huh. And I, and I, I think that leaves some things out that probably should be included, but I was trying to boil it down, Greg, to what would be, I didn't want getting on the same page to be too global because it's it, we're not always on this. It doesn't mean unanimity. It doesn't mean everything's perfect. It does. It's that's that's right. that's, that's that's sort of foolish. So what would it mean in a real operational way? You and I could be having a discussion about something that's not going well. Fair enough. We could come out of it with a plan of what we're going to do if we were agreeing enough to take the next step together. We went and did it, and came back to talk about how it, what the result was. There's something very valuable about that conversation, and to me, in a way, it 
keeps it puts us and keeps us on the same page with something. I could still be frustrated with you. You could still be frustrated with the company, but right. we might we, we might be able to stay on that on on the same page of recognizing something jointly, planning what to do, what ought to be done, trying it, checking it. Right. If we keep going through a, a, a conversation like that, I think we could probably roll through whole tasks and you know activities under a contract. Yeah, well, Lou, I, I I like the way you phrase that about coming to agreement enough to to take the next steps together because it will get you out of that cycle of frustration, right? If you do mm-hmm. have an issue and you start to get frustrated with each other and get bogged down and you're not taking any action, all you're doing is being frustrated with each other, that'll, that'll fester and build and build while at the same time, you're really not moving the program forward. I, I really like that perspective of coming together, working through it and saying, okay, we may not know what the next hundred things are that we need to do, but right. what's the next two or three things to do? All right, let's map those out. Let's get together next week or the week after, make sure we're on track with those and then see what's kind of the next steps. And then as you do that, I think your vision gets a little better about what to it plan, does. what to do for the longer term. It does. And you're taking action. And I, and I think, I think humans by our nature, we're kind of problem solvers. Mm-hmm. Right? And so I, I think that gives a release for some of that frustration and you put it toward, okay, I'm going to take these actions and take these actions to see a little bit of success, a little more success, a little more positive movement. And then you kind of build things back. So, I mean, I, I think same page of relating that to being in agreement enough to take some next steps is, is really positive. Well, and as you were saying that, I also circled on the paper where I was taking some notes, something you said before. It ought to also build trust. Yes. Doing that. Right. Option. That starts to build trust. Right. Let's cover what we don't always have to. We don't always have to agree when no. we first come together. No, we we don't. may not always agree when we start to part, but we should have some things we can agree on it and what some next steps are. And I, I think you captured that well. One of the questions I like to ask is what happens if we can't get on the same page? Because getting on the same page isn't always the outcome that's accomplished, or maybe sometimes shouldn't be. But so what's what's your just a general reaction to the question? What happens if we can't get on the same page in this business we're talking about, performance management? So I, I think if you if you come together and you both sides earnestly and openly try to come together and work through whatever this issue is and you really can't get on the same page, I, I think the first uh, question is, do, is there an escalation path that we both can go to, mm-hmm. right? At some kind, sometimes that can be some arbitration. Sometimes it can be going to the next level of leadership. Maybe right, now right, this issue goes right. to the secretary right. on our side and maybe goes to the CEO or, or to the board right. or the company side right. to see if they can come come together. Now, if in the end, even through that, you have to find a way then to shake hands and part. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's important to recognize that you can have disagreements that in the end may not get resolved, but you can still shake hands and part. Yeah. Right. It, it still does not have to be filled with animosity toward each other. If that's the case, there's probably been some underlying issues happening uh, all the way through. Uh, but good people can, in the end, really not find a way forward. And there's remedies True. for that through the contract. There's claims and there's things. Et cetera, uh, and, but... and I know sometimes from the federal side, you know, we're like, well, I don't know why they submit, submit a claim. But that that's part of the process if we get to really a stalemate. Um, because you can't just leave that stalemate open because it, it's not going to get well by itself. It's just going to continue oh, faster no. and it'll get more infected and it'll spill over into, into other areas. Well, I like what you so said. It's, it's to me, if you if you can't, you got to look for an escalation. Is there an additional layer of escalation? 
And if not, then you have to figure out how you can shake hands and walk away. I like what you said there. Uh, I agree with that as a possible outcome. And I think it's important to do it. I think it's important to do it the way you described, because remember, we're talking about a mission. We're talking about performance as a means to the end of accomplishing a mission. We're talking about relationships that are a part of that. Yes, you put people on things. You put equipment on things. You put there's processes. You meet technical requirements. I don't know, Greg. That's To me, that's like flour and the sugar and the eggs. I'm right. gonna, right, those are the ingredients. You're trying to accomplish something that's better accomplished together when it can't be for whatever reason. It's better to end it amicably for everybody because chances are you're going to you're going to work with other federal agencies other programs you might work you might propose something again a bid something again to the one where you had this departure someone on the gun on the on the government side could run across the same contracting company as a sub on some a sub or a prime on something right. else or leave government and want to go to work in the industry it's just better to try to protect the relationship if the if the relationship couldn't get to what was hoped for I think it's always best to try to protect the relationship on the way out. Absolutely. Preserve it. Absolutely. Well, you know, Greg, thanks for your time today. This has been a great conversation, and I enjoyed it and, and learned a lot like I always do when you and I talk. Well, me as well. I really enjoyed it, and, and I do uh, always walk away with some new ideas when we chat. Thank you, great. sir. Appreciate it. All right. Lou, it's a pleasure. Have a good day. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye. And that's how we see it, my friends. I want to thank Greg for recording today's episode. You can find it at icwhatyoumean.castos.com plus all the usual places. Send questions and suggestions through the app. Subscribe and give me a five-star rating unless you can't, in which case, let me know why. And join me next week when we take another look at how to get on the same page and stay there, unless we shouldn't. <laughs>